Hello, hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Told, Dr. Kyle Dumpert. And this is Dr. Walter Aka, and we have the pleasure of having actually, oh man, I'm actually very excited about this. Uh, this this is uh, Dr. Justin Kress. He is a dentist in what state again? Idaho. Idaho, uh, living the best life possible. And, you know, he contacted us because we had mentioned, uh, you know, one time, I think maybe once or twice about syndications. And, you know, we're like, hey, just bring somebody on that knows something about syndication. And sure enough, we got an expert. You yep. know, uh, we're very surprised because I didn't, we didn't think people listened to us. So, you know, <laughs> Justin, we really appreciate you uh, answering the call, man. Oh, well, I, I don't, I, that's a lot, uh, a lot of pressure for me. I don't know about expert and, uh, uh, Justin, you, you lie until you make it, man. You fake it until you make it. All right. <laughs> you are an expert compared to the other two people on this podcast. That's right. right now. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, no, but honestly, Justin, I want to kind of get, I don't want to dive right in. I'm really excited about this and I want to dive right in, but just give us a little history about yourself your practice and then just dive into basically what got you into syndication. What is syndication? And, and, and we'll go from there. We'll ask a lot of questions. Hopefully we don't bore you to death, but we you know we're going to ask these questions so that we can learn as well, as well as our listeners learn as well. So let's start with basically your, your past. What happened? How did you get into uh, dentistry? Wow. All right. So uh, <laughs> uh, I grew up in Southern Idaho where I currently practice. My uh, last basketball game in high school, I took an elbow to the nose and lost a part of my front two teeth and uh, spent some quality time with my family dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked uh, hanging out with him after we, uh, after we got my teeth fixed. And then uh, I talked to him about going to dental school. He really encouraged me. Uh, then I uh, married into a family where my father-in-law my wife's uncle and my wife's brother were all dentists as okay. well. So, oh, geez, so, no pressure. Yeah, yeah not, not too much. Um, so, uh, went to dental school at Creighton, uh, oh, graduated, nice. uh, set up a practice in Wendover, Utah. Wendover's not the end of the world, but you can see it from right there. So, um, uh, my wife uh, then informed me that she was going to move back home and I was welcome to come with her. And so sold, sold that practice. And actually, <laughs> yeah, actually uh, practiced with my brother-in-law a little bit and then uh, ended up <clears throat> spending 15 years with my family dentist that fixed my front teeth. Uh, then we, uh, uh, a couple years ago, um, I moved back into the uh, practice with my brother-in-law. So, um, so that's kind of got me to where I am today. Okay. Right. And then, so I'm guessing with all that, you were like, you know, I need to do something besides dentistry. Cause that's the question that Kyle and I have been saying, I think since the second day of practicing yeah. after dental school graduation, <laughs> we were like, how can I do less dentistry? <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so how did you get into syndication? What is syndication? And let's, let's, you know, kind of dive that in and you know, dive into that. So a syndicated offering can be a lot of different things, but it's basically a business that you're allowed to to buy in and be a, a part of. Um, how I invest in syndications is as, as, as a limited partner. Um, and I've invested in syndications that uh, uh, drill for oil and gas. Uh, most of the ones that I'm in are uh, multifamily housing syndications, uh, and most of them with one operator. Um, but there's just a lot of different things. So basically, it's just being becoming part of a partnership, usually, that uh, that someone sets up, 
and then you're able to to buy into as a limited partner. So for okay, so how and, did you get into real estate then? Yeah, let's start with that. Like, how did you get into real estate? <laughs> so, um, I in 2015 I was getting um, pretty interested in in real estate, and I was <laughs> talking to my assistant as we're working on her uncle and told him that I was, or told her that I was interested in buying some, you know, some, uh, some houses to rent out in our local area. And he, uh, once we got everything out of his mouth, he told me that he had a couple that he'd be willing to sell. So, uh, bought those, a um, couple of duplexes and then, um, uh, bought a few more, um, uh, places and started, um, was something called turnkey investing uh, through a company that invested or that you could buy a house that was already rehabbed and that was already uh, had a tenant in it. And they had places in both in Memphis, Tennessee, and then in Texas. So I, I purchased some places um, from them, mostly uh, all in Texas, actually. So what was your experience with um, getting into rentals with not having any experience with that? Um, a little scary at first, um, but then my office manager uh, was willing to manage all the rentals that I have um, in our local area. So that's great. I mean, so um, I actually now have <clears throat> in our local area, I have two duplexes, a triplex and two single family homes, and then two um, buildings that we that are industrial that we that we rent out. And how much of your free time outside of dentistry does that consume on a, a weekly or a monthly basis owning those properties? Uh, almost zero. Okay. Um, she, she runs everything with the, with the, um, the residential type stuff. I do everything with the commercial stuff. Uh, honestly, I drive by them to take a look, <clears throat> see what's going on. I live in a relatively small town, so I mean, on the way home, I just drive, you know, a different way and look at different properties every time. But my, my, um, we, we probably rent the residential properties for a little bit under market value right now, okay. which means the tenants do not leave. Right. And so, um, yearly we go and, and visit those properties just to make sure everything looks good. You right. know, there's nothing crazy going on in there, but so far so good. Wow. So, so if that's the case, then why don't you just kind of stick with that route, right? Because you have a few properties that you're you're doing yourself, and if it doesn't right. take that much effort, you know, why why go into syndication or anything? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. Um, one thing I will tell you is that I am an amateur at that. We rent them for under market value because we don't want to deal with the hassles, and because of that, um, well, I will say once uh, in the last few years. Um, I have refinanced all those properties. And so the money just trickles in now. So if you, uh, you know, if you want to um, get out of dentistry by renting out some properties that you own, that you've got a, you know, a mortgage on, think about uh, doing profies instead of doing crowns. I mean, like we're talking, they just kind of, you know, it just kind of trickles in a little bit. So, but it's, it's, uh, that's, that won't get you out of the dental, the dental chair, but it does build wealth. Um, so I refinanced all of those and then I put the money in, uh, some of these syndicated offerings. So I, you know, I bought the property, it increased in value. I basically have all my money back out of all those, um, properties that I've bought by doing refinance. And I put it all into syndicated deals because the money trickles in 
at a at a higher multiple, I guess you'd say. Okay. So with with the syndications, um, I guess what what was your entry point into this line of income or this line of an investment? Okay, so you get interested, you kind of go down the path of uh, alter- they call these alternative investments instead of you know stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Right. Um, and so I I joined a group that um, promotes a lot of syndications. Okay. So they provide uh, education, and then uh, he does a podcast too. You know, listen to a lot of the things that he said, and then the uh, these offerings would come up and they would do a, like a webinar to explain what the offering was. And that just seemed like number one, it was professional. Mm -hmm. Um, and the returns were a lot higher than what I was getting, um, in my single family or residential investments. Okay. And so then I guess the question I have would be, what was the return? I mean, if you're, you know, there has to be a reason why you like this so much, right? Right. So the the one company that I deal with that does residential, uh, basically multifamily uh, residential um, rentals, their track record um, before I joined them was they were getting 30% return annualized. And you weren't getting it every year, but what, so what kind of their plan was is that they would buy a property, uh, they would be the general partner, they'd bring in a lot of limited partners, the return to the limited partners was generally around 30% annualized and they held it anywhere from three to five years. So if they held it three years, you know, rough math, you could expect about a 90% return. Um, and this was not return of your money. This was return of, you know, on top of your money coming back. And if they held it for five years, you could expect about 150% return at five years. So okay, let's just do the yeah, let's do the math real quick. So you're telling me after three years, let's just say you put a hundred thousand in, you're getting back ninety? Hundred and ninety. So a hundred and ninety yeah, a hundred plus the ninety. Yes. So why don't we all just stop with the market and, and, and do this? So it's not easy. It's not as okay. simple as getting an e trade account and you know, clicking yeah. on you know, clicking buy an apple, you know. But uh, right. um the one of the hard parts, one of the hurdles is that you have to be what's called an accredited investor for most of these things. An accredited investor, it's kind of like the the guy that I learned from. He said it's like kind of like being pregnant. You either are or are you aren't. There's no application really. Or um, so you, if you are single and you have made two hundred thousand dollars for a couple of years and intend to make $2,000 during the next you know, couple of years, that's one of the hurdles that you can jump over. It goes up to $300,000 if you're married. Okay. Um, another way you can do it is if you have a million dollar net worth that does not include your home. So the home that you live in. So if you're, if you're, you know, practice is worth a million dollars, uh, basically you qualify as, as a, as a credited investor. So, um, some of the places that I have dealt with, they just say, are you an accredited investor? And I say, yes. And off we go. There've been other, <laughs> uh, yeah, there've been other places <laughs> sure. uh, where they have uh, actually, you know, they have a company that vets you like they want to nice. see your tax returns and all that kind of right. stuff. So, 
Um, and then once, if you qualify as an accredited investor, uh, then there's, you know, you have to, for another, for, in order for you to get into the deal, you have to kind of know the, the people. So they usually set up interviews and, and you get to meet them. And then they send you paperwork um, to fill out for each of the, the syndicated deals. That's relatively lengthy, you know, so uh, you have to read through it. Um, one of the first ones that I invested in, I have a friend who's a lawyer. I handed it to him. Uh, it was a Delaware company that, you know, and he just said, this isn't in my wheelhouse. So, you know, it wasn't something that any regular lawyer could look at and say like, oh yeah, that's, that's easy. Yeah. Just do that. You know? Right. So, um, so there's a, a few hurdles you have to jump through. And so that's, that's probably why a lot of people don't do it. Um, I found that it's worth it to me. So is there a separate company or separate protections that you have set up whenever, uh, like, um, my the real estate for my practice is owned by an LLC. My business is an S corp. So, is there a, a separate holding that holds that syndication, or are you holding that personally? So, protecting myself from the syndicated deal, I'm a limited partner. So, I, my my um, liability is limited to what I put into the to the syndication. Okay. You also have the other side though, where um, if I, if I hold it personally, then I do not, I don't have protection um, from say, if I got in an automobile accident, that's something that, you know, someone could, uh, could go after. There. Gotcha. So, gotcha. so let's, let's go back. Kyle. Can I, can I go back to basically syndication? What are they actually doing that they can guarantee this return? Like okay. break that down and show me, like, tell me basically, from the beginning, they see like a multifamily, you know, maybe a hundred rooms or whatever. How does that whole thing work? What are they doing to get, basically guarantee this? Okay. And Walter, since you and I talked the other day, I've thought about it a little yeah. bit. And so a lot of dentists will know like about like an Apple, you know, stock or whatever. So I just wanted to simplify it by saying, you know, do you think you'd make more money if you owned a piece of the company Apple if it didn't go through wall street and it didn't go through the CEO later, you know, and those kind of things. Um, so with that kind of general background, this is a business that runs just like any other business. And now going into specifics, but, but we, we kind of cut out the middleman, which is wall street, you know, which is E-Trade taking their cut, which is Goldman Sachs taking their cut, you know, all, everybody's going to get their, their hands in the pie with this um, deal, there's usually like a promoter and then the business. So the the CEO of the business, she often shows up at these um, apartments um, when they open them, she's there. And so it's, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of layers, not, you know, you don't have to peel the onion back a long way till you get to where the money comes in and out. So let's go to the, the syndicated apartments you know, as an example. So one of the things that I love about this, um, this operator that I, that I work with is that they have a plan from day one and they follow it to the T. The other thing, like I told you, they do a webinar to, to raise the capital. Um, usually these webinars get canceled now because they get subscribed fully before we, they, you know, like they announce it's going to come on in a week. And all the money is put in before the webinar even happens. But when I used to watch the webinars, when they had them, um, 
they were all the same. It was exactly the same. It was so boring. You know, it's like, we're going to buy this place in Dallas, 350 doors. We're going to, you know, raise this much money. We're going to make the units nicer or, and, or we're going to raise the rent. We're going to bring in washers and dryers and that all the things that they do, we're going to put up new signage. We're going to, you know, take out all the old pool furniture where everything they do is made to drive the bottom line, which is net operating income. Um, how a syndication or how a commercial real estate usually works is the price uh, for an asset when, when it's bought or sold is usually net operating, net operating income uh, divided by what they call the cap rate. Um, the, the cap rate is set by the market. And so the, uh, and a cap rate is a capitalization rate. It's if you put, you know, let's say you didn't finance any money and you, and you put, you know, hundred percent down and you, you just bought the asset. Um, the cap rate is kind of like the return that you would expect, um, you know, at the bottom line there. So you take this, uh, you get this money, and so all what the operator does is they drive net operating income up. That's what they can control. Bring in washers and dryers, rehab apartments, raise the rents, make you know make sure all the rooms are full. And when they do that, they they just increase the net operating income. When this operator buys an asset, uh, two of them closed this last week and the last two weeks, they have uh, people paving the parking lot people taking out the pool furniture on day one. So they close in the morning in the afternoon stuff's happening. They show up with food trucks and really, you know, try to bring up, uh, you know, the, the morale in, in some of these apartment complexes. Some of them have been neglected for years. I mean, they, they love showing pictures of signs that you can't even read, you know, Mm -hmm. at the front of these places. And so what they, the premise that they go after is most, um, Tenants don't mind paying more if they have a benefit, you know, that they're seeing. Right. So, right. and and so they raise they raise those rents, and and then they, they have like a, usually like a three to five year hold period, and then you know generally they've been getting thirty percent returns, but a lot of it's backloaded. You don't get it till the end. Okay. So, the other thing that really kind of I guess last part before I let you guys chime back in that really kind of got me is they said the worst performer that they had was um it it, it did 11 percent annualized that was the worst thing they'd ever had in like 30 about 30 uh um properties that they'd gone through to do this so on average the s&p i'm sorry kyle on average the s&p does about eight to ten percent right right and so if we're doing eight to ten percent by putting in the s&p 500 you're beating that on the worst the worst deal. The worst deal. Okay. So, wh- so where's the risk? Like we need to get our ag- Go ahead. There, there's risk. So any any investment, any time money either sits in your bank account, there's risk that inflation is going to eat it. If you put your money in an investment, there's risk that you're going to lose that money. What it, right. on a scale of riskiness with, you know, a savings account being next to no risk up to uh, you know some of the the more risky things. Where where does crypto? Where, crypto, where, where does <laughs> yeah. this where does this fall? So um, 
not all syndications are, are multifamily real estate. Um, my two oil and gas syndications fell at extreme risk. Uh, I didn't get hardly anything back from those. Mm-hmm. The nice thing was that they provided a, an extreme tax write-off, you know, for me. Not just because they were losers, but because they—that's uh, just the way the nature of uh, oil and gas, the oil and gas business—is you get a big tax write-off for it. So you can tailor these uh, investments to kind of do whatever you want. So the number one thing I will say, and this is the hard, hard part is you have to know, like, and trust the people that you deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, do I think a lot of these syndicated deals lose money, you know, you know, different things across the, the nation? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. But when I was getting into these, I went to a meetup that they had at Phoenix, listened to them speak, we then hopped on uh, three tour buses and we went to four or five properties where they showed us, you know, this is, these are ones we're running. This one's been one year. This one's been, you know, two weeks. This one's, you know, whatever it had been. And the thing that was just crazy is that they all looked exactly the same. It was boring, you know? Mm. So to me, I don't find that much risk in them. Like worst, the, again, the worst one, 11%. Uh, the best ones have been, over 30%, obviously, if there's an 11%, there's got to be something to offset that, you know, as well. So, well, here's another thing too, then, um, how did you find these syndicates? Like, did you just go to a website that says like find syndicate.com? Like, well, how do you find these, you know, because if somebody's listening and says, man, this sounds great. And then they want to start, how do you start? Uh, yeah. So there are lots of podcasts, you know, that you can listen to. That's probably the, the first place to start, you know, looking on the internet, just finding different things. Um, I will tell you, I think it's my family gets really kind of bored at what I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I think I have easily surpassed um, hours of education via podcasts on business and dentistry. I mean, way more hours than I spent in dental school. Um, now, you know, so, uh, any recommendations for some names, uh, podcast names to listen to? True. Um, the guy who really got me going, his name is Buck Joffrey. Okay. Uh, he, he runs a podcast called wealth formula podcast. That's the meetup that I went to. He's introduced me to a lot of those, you know, different people. Uh, a lot of what I do today, I, I really owe to Buck and I'll be honest. Like I'm, I'm at the just at the start of where these are starting to roll around. Okay. So I I look at this as uh, it seems with all the stimulus money that went out, everybody's looking for something to invest in. And I think that's why the stock market kept going up and up and up was there's all this extra money. Everybody wants to get these great returns. So uh, if we are an accredited investor where, you know, we have that million dollars of net worth, uh, there's a lot more people out there that have a lot more net worth than we do. So I, I look at myself as a, a small fish in a, a big ocean. And what, um, what, why would somebody want my little bit of uh, capital when they are, you know, raise, buying a 350 unit, you know, multi million dollar building? How much, how much capital are you? What's the minimum? What's the maximum that you're putting in? So the minimums on all the deals that I've done with um, the um, apartment syndication group is twenty five thousand, okay. which 
you know, that's that's more than lunch, but right. it's a lot less than it was seemed like two, two, three years ago, you right. know? So, um, and I, uh, I've never put in the maximum. I don't know what that would be. They haven't right. told me what the maximum is, but it, like, it gets chewed up there. Yeah. You just buy the whole entire place. Yeah. It gets chewed up. I will tell you that I do know that they, they have done some, uh, apartment complexes where it didn't get, um, syndicated to everybody that, uh, is in my group basically some big family office took the whole thing down. So it does happen. And, and you, you would kind of wonder, but going back to your question, why would they want your little slice of the money? Well, um, I think most of the time the general partners or the people who are actually running the business, they don't have to put in any money if they don't want to, they can put in zero money. It's just their time. And so they're, they're using your money giving you a better return than, than I felt like I could get as than being a property owner, you know, a small property owner and their, you know, their return is, you know, kind of infinite except for their time. You right. know, they're putting in a lot of time and, and expertise. And that's why I kind of started going toward the, uh, the route of, of syndications because they're, they're professionals, you know, at it. It's just, now that, just plain and simple. You, you kind of, you answered my next question. I was going to ask, uh, if these are so profitable, why don't they just put their own money in and get their, their own 30% return? But it makes sense if, uh, why put your own money in to get that 30% return when you can borrow somebody else's no money out of your pocket and then have, you know, like you said, infinite returns on that. Right. And the other thing is, uh, they've, uh, I wish I, wish I'd looked up how many they've done this year. It's been a lot. I mean, they've done, I would say more than 10, probably between 10 and 20 of these deals this year. So that's a lot of money. I mean, you know, it's millions and millions of dollars that they need to make these run. And so they would probably run out of their own capital if they were just using their own. True. See, so. here's a, you know, here's one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, if anybody knows me, I'm, I'm, I don't trust anybody. You know, I'm very uh, cynical <laughs> about a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to my money, right? Uh, we, work, we worked hard for it. You know, right. most people don't think we work hard, but dentists, we actually do work hard. So the question I would have is, okay, so if you started maybe 12 years ago, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, I want to see how you went through uh, 07, uh, 08, 09. That's actually kind of like the barometer that would make me think you know what you're doing. Right. So, so do they allow you to see their history and then everything? I mean, is it very transparent? I guess it's a question I'm asking. Yeah. So they um, on the on the webinars that they do, they have all that there's sometimes that they put on all of their all of their things that they've done. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that they go back much further than like oh, the 08, 09. Okay. Um, time frame. Right. So, I mean, honestly, as you know, if you were able to invest through this whole time from 08 till now, everybody looks like a, you know, a hero, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So I don't know what they might've done prior to that, but I do know what their plan is. If, if the bottom were to fall out today. Okay. The thing that I like about multifamily housing is that, it's not like uh, retail that we've seen Amazon crush. It's not like office space that we saw COVID, COVID kind of kill. Everyone's going to need a place to live until we can right. figure out a way to box people up. You know, some other way we're going to be looking at these kind of apartments. And 
we don't buy the nicest, you know, they don't buy the nicest apartments in Dallas or Atlanta or, you know, wherever they try to buy, you know, somewhere just under, they also don't buy in the war zones. Um, so they're trying to get into a place where if the economy's good, people are going to move up. If the economy's bad, people would be moving down. So they would be in a, in a, you know, place where they would continue to rent. So they've been getting these, um, you know, pretty good returns, but a lot of it's been on increasing the net operating income and then selling the asset in a few years. I know the plan is if all of a sudden, like there were no buyers, they would just continue to run the asset and we would have a stream of money coming in. You know, it probably dropped to something like, I would guess in the eight to 10% range where they would just be giving you a percentage of your money, you know, back each year. And, you know, and remember uh, last year we had the whole uh, moratorium on rents and, and evictions and so forth, right? So, I mean, that's another time, I guess, another timeline that's closer to this where you could have said, hey, how did you do? What did you do through that? You know, again, I'm just throwing this, these questions out because for me, I'm a big question ask. You know, I ask a lot of questions. Annoying or not, I need to know, <laughs> you know. So, they're, so, so they're those great, are the kind of questions. questions. Yeah, those are the kind of questions for me that I would personally ask. I mean, it sounds, you know, it, it sounds incredible. It really does. Uh, that's the first thing I'm going to say. But I also want to know details so that you can. So I feel comfortable, you know, sleeping at night knowing, hey, my hand, my money is in good hands. Right. So um, the the first deal that I um, got into with this company is in Atlanta. Um, Atlanta was hit hard by that eviction moratorium, and our one of the properties that we have there was hit harder than the other. I have two, I've invested in two there. That one, the, um, the collection percentage dropped to about 84%. And just like if the collection percentage drops, you know, it was usually more in the 95% range. As you know, in your dental office, if the collection percentage drops by 10%, where does that money come from? It comes from you. You know, it's like the last, last money out is, is, is going to be yours. Um, that asset hasn't performed great. I have heard they've, they've basically said that they think it's going to sell um, in January and they're expecting, I've, I will have been at about, I will have been in that asset about 36 to 38 months, I believe. Okay. They think it's going to be, when they sell it, it's going to be a four, 14% return. Oh, wow. Uh, annual, annual return. So right, right. It, it was a dog, you know, like they, they, they fought and fought and they just have kind of it's kind of like one of those things where you just say, uh, we've done enough. That's as good as we're going to get on this one. They didn't get down to the 11% return. So that's still the floor, you know, for them. But so that's, that's the situation there. And are any of these, I, I think I heard you mention uh, these deals for syndication. They're usually like a three or a five year. So these aren't long-term where you grab onto it and you hold it as an owner at that property for as long as you want to. Is that correct? That's correct. And the ones that there are some that try to market that way. Um, recently, almost no one has been able to do that because uh, bigger money than accredited investors comes along and offers them a, a price they can't refuse almost, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, you've seen a lot of operators selling assets recently thinking like we got to be near the top, you yeah. know? And so Again, these these accredited offerings or these syndicated offerings, uh, there's you kind of have to look at how they're structured because they also not only do they provide great returns, 
but they, depending on how they're structured, they can pass on great tax benefits to you as well. So I'm, I'm a partner in the business. So when they take depreciation and things like that, that gets passed on to me and it goes onto my tax return. So if you keep rolling through these things, then your, um, you know, the, you don't have to just pay taxes on all this money either. You can keep kind of building wealth, which is what I chose by going with a higher, uh, you know, this, you know, kind of average 30%, even though it wasn't just trickling in every month, I chose to go with this because I still have my dental practice. And so I don't need money coming in every right. month, you right. know, so I went for the higher once I, if I hit retirement, then maybe I would say, okay, now I want to transition this into something that gives me monthly money or quarterly money. And then that would be, you know, I'd maybe take a little uh, less return to have, you know, just more of a consistent thing. So each operator has their own specific way that they um, operate and that affects the return and also the way that um, the tax benefits are handed down to the investors. Okay. And what about, okay, so let's talk about three years has come up. You're done. You, you know, you're like, okay, I'm getting my money. Do you just get that money in a big check and, you know, you and your significant other goes and celebrates and has a good time with that money they just got? Or do you just then can reinvest it back into another, you know, another syndication? How does that whole thing work out? So ideal. Yeah. So if you're trying to grow wealth, um, I've heard people in my group refer to this as the golden hamster wheel. You get on, you run, the money goes, comes back out and then it goes right back in. And if you do that, um, the tax and, and kind of, it depends on how the deals are structured, but the taxes can be totally mitigated and you just keep, it's almost like an IRA. You keep growing this wealth tax free because you get a gain and then you put the money back in and with what they call bonus depreciation and a cost segregation of the asset that you're buying, you get to depreciate that all that, a lot of that money right back out again. Hmm. So, so to grow wealth, you, you, you stay on the hamster wheel. If I have the, I, I've tried to get it to where the checks don't show up at my house. It's just a transfer to my bank account. That way I don't have to take my wife out to dinner or anything. Don't have to split it. <laughs> don't, split say, it don't, don't say stuff like that, bro. Like, <laughs> Kyle, find a way to delete that part. We, we are not trying to get anybody in trouble. Believe me, we're, you know, we're over 30 minutes in. If my wife was listening to this, she'd be gone by now. <laughs> there you, go. All right. you picked the right time to talk about it. Like that. <laughs> uh, so, so I guess, the, the, you know, to kind of put a, a bow on this, how do you think, you know, somebody who is starting out, like a new dental student, right, just graduated, they have all this debt, right? Because we talk to people who have debt, all this debt, like they, they, they one, they're nowhere near being uh, an investor in something like this. But how do they work themselves up to that situation where they can, you know, start doing something like this, you know? Because, again, we all want to not work in dentistry for too long. All right. So, I mean, if, if I were a new grad mm-hmm. um, coming out of school with a bunch of debt, the, the number one thing that they can do is that they can, they could buy a house. Um, if I were going to, if I could talk my wife into it, uh, that house for me would be a fourplex. And I would then, um, if you up to four units, you can uh, get really great financing. You know, we're talking probably 3%. 
or lower for an interest rate and sometimes 3% or lower down. And then the number, so that's, that's how I'd get into uh, alternative investments of of real estate. So easy. I mean, let's say that the fourplex costs, you know, uh, just for simple math, let's go back to a hundred thousand dollars. You can multiply it by whatever you want. So if it's a hundred thousand dollars, uh, 3% down 3000 bucks, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. if you can come up with 3000 bucks, let's, let's call it six with closing costs and stuff like that, that you might need to come up with. Right. So 6,000 bucks, that's your investment. And then you would own, you know, a place for you to live and three other places after one year, most of those loan programs would let you move out and do it again. And mm-hmm. so if you can do that, three, four times while you're still broke, even, you know, um, you have pretty soon you have 20 units, you know, that are, that are, you know, paying usually better than paying for themselves. And then, you know, you could, you know, if the, if there's been appreciation, you could refinance, you could sell. And that's how you start to get, I think, I mean, that, that'd be the number one easiest, simplest way to do it. Um, that I can see, you just have to convince your significant other to, to you know, live in a place with with other people. You know, that's so. true. That's all good. Uh, and here's another thing too. Um, do they have syndications that are outside the U.S. And can anybody from outside the U.S. invest in these syndications? You know, because we have listeners uh, throughout the world. I mean, we still don't know how, but they they hear us. So <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask these questions for them. You know, like, can anybody outside the U.S. invest in it? And, yeah. And do they have? you know, properties outside the U S right. I think that some, um, so there are different rules. Um, and so some, some places don't have to have, you don't have to be accredited. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be an accredited investor. They have stricter rules. They're trying to protect, protect the little guy mm-hmm. for good reason, you know, too. Um, so I do believe that people outside the United States can invest in some funds, mm-hmm or in some uh, syndicated offerings, but others, you know, the, the operator might close it to them, even if the government allows it and the government cl- might close some of them down, even though uh, it would be allowed. But I, and then as far as, are there some outside the United States? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I would, I would guess yes. Um, but um you know, when you're talking about property rights and different things like that, it's just pretty tough to beat the United States. And until you, um, until you have, you've made it through all the properties in the United States, there wouldn't be a lot of reason to leave. You, you, well keep, said. you keep mentioning the, uh, the company that you work with. Is that a group that is looking to take on more investors, more people in the syndication and, uh, if you're comfortable, if not, not a big deal, uh, sharing the name of what that group is. Sure. I'd, I'd share the name. I don't know whether they're, you know, looking for new operators or, or new people to invest or not. Uh, I will tell you that they're not starving for people. Like I, like I've said, they, yeah. they, they rarely have to even, you know, go through a 30 minute webinar to get all their money. Right. And, uh, so the name of the company is Western wealth capital. That's the one that I, deal with mostly okay. through, through Brooke Joffrey that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who became interested in that. This he's a physician in my area. He's tried to contact Western wealth directly and they haven't even yeah. like returned his inquiries, you know? So, <laughs> um, I told him, Hey, you probably need to talk to Buck, which is kind of, you know, how I got into the, the situation. So, um, 
I, again, I don't think they're they're starving right. you know, for 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 money to come on, and so they basically they want to have uh, these promoters or, or people that are kind of in between them handle you know talking to the people, you know, right. getting them onboarded, you know, having a relationship with them, things like that. So there you go, there you go. I mean, I'm I'm go Kyle. I think I've kind of drilled down. You know all the all the you know uh, questions that I got. I, I I like I like it. I like this. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's that you hear with investing. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is, right. and that's my biggest concern with get, getting thirty percent returns. There's um, I, I'm I want to see what the the flip side is, uh, but. You know, everything that you described, I mean, it, it all makes sense, especially, you know, you hear in, you know, from everybody that the best way to build wealth is real estate because, you know, there's never going to be more property or land available. There's a finite amount and populations are only growing. We have to live somewhere. Um, so I, I'm very interested in, in, you know, listening to the looking into the podcast that you mentioned and, and learning more about it because um, yeah, there, there's definitely better ways to become, get that financial freedom. Well, I mean, honestly, Kyle, and I think I agree, I agree, completely agree with you, right? I, I, I feel like just like with anything, there are people that are supposedly experts. I call them Instagram experts, you know, and then there are people that are true experts who have done this for a long time. Right. And I truly believe track record. If you have a track record, you're going to want to do what you're going to tell everybody, show people this is what I've done. Right. When somebody doesn't want to show you their track record, that's kind of the first red flag. Right. 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 The second thing would be if you just, you know, started doing this last year, you know, uh, <laughs> I, you know, if, if I just started, uh, you know, investing, in the stock market last year, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to start a class to teach other people how to do it. Right. No one has lost yet. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that's why I'm saying like there are certain times along the way where it was tough. Right. How did they get through that? That's these are the questions that I would ask. Right. You know what I mean? Is, is, there, is those, those are those are great questions. The other thing, like I told you, I have. I mean, I have thousands of hours uh, yeah. in podcast listening. I mean, Stitcher used to tell you like how many hours you had. I don't know if you can still find that number, but uh, let me tell you, it, it'd blow you away. You'd think right. like, what have you done with your life? You know, <laughs> if, you knew, if you knew how many hours that I'd listened to, but it, right. it's, it's got to be, it's, if it's not 10,000, it's close. You know, I mean, it's, it's a long, a lot that I've listened to. And so the one thing I, I do know now, now that I can, if I watch other, you know, uh, operators and their, their offerings, I just think like, wow, like that doesn't even sound good, you know, yeah. anymore. So once you get, once you listen to a lot, you know, it's not, it's nothing's a for sure thing, but you, you have to really know, like, and trust these people. The, those, those properties that I bought in, in Texas, I got an, on a plane in, in Twin Falls, Idaho on uh, like eight o'clock at night took the red eye to Memphis, spent the day with that company to, you know, I wanted to meet the people that I'd be dealing with and then, you know, got back on a flight and flew back the next day, you know? Mm -hmm. So same thing with the, with the people that I went down to meet in, in Arizona, they showed me the, the places that they had. We drove past others of theirs that we didn't even stop at. You know, you, you could tell from the black and yellow signs, it was, it was their, you know, their places that, that we'd gone past. So, um, so yeah, you, you really have to, you know, you kind of have to be a believer and, yeah. 
And so, you know, we'll have to talk again sometime when all these start to roll through, you know, like I told you, my, my first one's rolling through, um, right now I did have another, um, one that was not with that company that was in self storage. Okay. They, they bought a, they bought something in, um, they bought a self storage unit in Tennessee. Um, they planned to hold it for five years. They got an offer that was too good to be true. Uh, well, not too good to be true because it's supposedly true. We're, <laughs> we're getting our money back after 13 months and okay. it's about a 50, 57% return. Wow. So Jeez. just like you said, the, the numbers that they gave is, hey, let's say you put in 100,000. Uh, they have paid this out already like three or 4,000 over the course of a year, but they're going to pay out another 53,000 and our money back in, you know, in a year. So the two that I have that are kind of coming full circle, one is what they consider a dog at, at 14%, which is still pretty good to me. Uh, it's not as good as your crypto probably, but um, <laughs> not, nothing is better than depending on the day. But one's 14% a year over three years. The other one's 50%, 57% in one year. And right. again, they expected to hold it longer. Some of the people were a little bit upset that they, we're actually kicking us out in a year, but they said, Hey, this is the number we thought we were going to get out in five years. So yeah. this is it. You know, this is it. So, so, so it sounds like the key is finding that right promoter to, to give you access to the deals. That's the key. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, honestly, Justin, thank you. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, I mean, you know, from listening to other podcasts to come on to this podcast. So we appreciate you for sure. You know what I mean? And, and thank you very much for educating us on basically other means and other ways to, to make money so that dentistry is something that we do for fun, not something that we have to do. Right. right? And, and in the end, uh, you gave great advice to even newcomers, new dentists that are just great, you know, coming out. I wish I would have thought about that. You know, my first paycheck would have went towards a, a fourplex. I'd have been sitting there feeling good right now, you know, but instead <laughs> I have a fake background, you know, <laughs> this could be real background, everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so we definitely appreciate you coming on, man. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. Well, thank you. And I just want to say, you know, uh, a lot of those hours or not a lot, maybe not 10,000 hours, but a lot of the hours that I've spent listening to podcasts is you guys have been, uh, been on those podcasts. I will say it's at 1.5 times. So, uh, I, I do listen to you a little faster. You guys have been talking a little slow today. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do, I do the same. I do the done. same. <laughs> I appreciate what you guys have done just, you know, for, for, especially for young dentists, you know, right. but, but also for, for guys my age, I, I just enjoy, you know, not being alone. It's right. good to hear, good to hear it. you guys. And that's it. And that's exactly right. So whenever everything goes through, please come back. Yes. I would yeah. love to for you to break it down and be like, guys, what I said was right or nope, I missed on this one. You know, because the one thing we want is honesty. We want them to be one is for everybody to know that we're being transparent, good or bad. You yeah. know, we don't have sponsorship for a reason. Uh, I don't think anybody would want to sponsor us, but that's another thing. Another thing for another day. <laughs> we do this because we care. We love it. And we want to make sure that everybody understands why we're, you know, we're basically looking out for yeah. other people so we can ask the right questions. So thank yeah. you again. man. Yes, really appreciate you. your time. Sounds good. Thanks, oh, guys. Real quick, how can anybody get a hold of you? Uh, you know, any social media, any email, whatever it may be. How do they get a hold of you so if they have more questions? I guess I'd just give them my email address. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm only a lurker on social media and usually just a lurker on podcasts, too. But so my uh, email address is uh, drj. 
uh, drjcress at gmail.com. Awesome. So uh, I just lost my, my email address of the last, like, almost 20 years. It, it goes dark on the second, so I'm having a hard time with my new oh. Gmail address. So. <laughs> oh, geez. Geez. One of those you know, AOL yeah. holdovers. But thank you, man. I really appreciate your time, honestly. We'll get this up there so everybody can learn as much as possible. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Come yeah. back on, man. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.